0: hey what's up everybody and welcome back to that triathlon show the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com i'm your host michael and this episode is q a number three As I mentioned already a couple of times, I do want feedback and uh, what you think about these new Q&A episodes that I am uh, pushing out on Thursdays. Uh, Based on the amount of questions that's coming in, you seem to quite like it, and I've gotten some feedback about that already. But uh, do let me know if you have uh, other opinions, uh, whether it's uh, good or bad, constructive criticism. I'm always open to hearing what uh, you like to hear the most on this podcast, because this podcast is for you before we dive into today's questions uh, let's thank our sponsors first we have precision hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com on last week's episode i talked a bit about my hydration plan going into ironman 70.3 kashkais and how i would use precision hydration to stay on top of my hydration and sodium so I'm happy to report back now that uh, the plan worked flawlessly. I won my age group by staying strong and consistent until the very end, metronome-like running, I would like to call it. And it was only in the last few kilometers that I passed the leader. And at one point on the run, I think I was down in fifth or sixth place. So, uh, But uh, a lot of people seem to really, really suffer in the heat and uh, the sun. It was a very hot day. And uh, I didn't, of course it was tough, but uh, I didn't have any any problems that seemed related to hydration or nutrition for that matter. So I was very happy with how that plan worked out. As I mentioned, I retook the free online sweat test that Precision Hydration have on their website. And you can do that for yourself by going to precisionhydration.com or just click the link in the episode description Answer a few quick questions about uh, your sweat. It's uh, completely like intuitive. You don't need to do any sort of testing or measuring before that. And then that will give you a personalized hydration strategy that you can use in training and in uh, racing. And if you want to try the product for free, you can get your first box without any cost with the promo code that Show, all one word, all caps, on PrecisionHydration.com. And big thank you to Stack that uh, make the world's quietest bike trainers. Their new smart trainer version, the Stack Zero Halcyon, recently won the award for best bike training as- accessory at uh, the massive industry event Eurobike. Uh, so that's uh, that's not a small event, as many of you are aware of. That's perhaps the biggest one in the industry. So uh, it didn't only complete, uh, compete against other bike trainers, but loads of products in the very broad scope of accessories. And it won the entire thing. The verdict was outstanding in the following evaluation criteria. Degree of innovation, design, and added value. And the jury's statement was, we are greatly impressed by this new, absolutely low noise solution for a home trainer. The use of suspended magnets also means that there is no direct contact between wheels, wheel and rollers, which in turn eliminates added wear on the bike you can check that out and check out the other versions as well the power meter version or the non power meter version of the stack zero they're all completely quiet and they all have the same no contact between wheel and uh, the and rollers so no wear and tear and you can do that on stackzero.com that's s t a c 0 spelled out dot .com and you can get an entire 20% off your new bike trainer when you use the discount code t t s Two zero. Again, that's 20% off with the discount code TTS20. All right, so on to today's questions. First, we have one from... Ian Aguilar, I don't know how to say your last name, but uh, Ian is in the United Kingdom. Uh, It looks like perhaps a Spanish name. I'm not entirely sure. Anyway, Ian writes, hi, Michael. First of all, can I say I'm a massive fan of your podcasts and uh, how they make science relevant for people like myself who are not qualified coaches. Uh, I listen to a lot of different triathlon podcasts and yours is by far my favorite. Thank you so much, Ian. I really appreciate that. Uh, Can I just ask what you'd recommend for someone training about 15 hours a week uh, with uh, workout intensity? There seems to be a lot of people pushing the 80-20 polarized training. First, let me cut cut in here before I read the rest of the question. I want to clarify this because it's often misunderstood that 80-20 and polarized training are the same thing. But it's not exactly the same thing. In polarized training, uh, yes, 80% of your... Uh, of your training duration should be at an easy intensity and that's the same as 80 20 training and we'll actually soon have matt fitzgerald on the podcast to talk about his book that he co-wrote with david warden 80 20 triathlon and david of course is a previous guest on the show and we talked about that as well but in their 80 20 uh, term uh, they don't really uh, specify whether you should do the 20% 20% of high intensity whether that should be very high intensity or if it can be moderately high intensity but the polarized training model in that model it is actually specified that uh, the 20% most of that should be at a very high intensity so at your uh, lactate threshold or anaerobic threshold or above so uh, none of that uh, sweet spot work or that sort of thing that I know many of you are fans of and I'm actually a fan of it myself so polarized training is uh, is a bit more specific in that regard, although both of these models uh, state that 80% should be at an easy intensity, which means below your aerobic threshold or your first ventilatory threshold. In practical terms, this means it should be zone one or zone two, but if you actually go to a lab and test yourself, then this might mean actually quite different things for different people. Anyway, uh, back to reading your question, Ian. You write, I'm fine with organizing my key sessions, the 20%, and usually mix VO2 max workouts and threshold sessions. So this would nicely fall in the polarized model. But sometimes I don't know how hard I should be going on the sessions in between, especially on the bike. According to the 80-20, all these sessions would be very easy. Uh, however, one of your recent guests gave an example week where most of the sessions were pretty intense and recommended one or two brick workouts a week. Clearly, he was not a fan of the 80 I would say I currently run very easy between key sessions, but I mix my bike up and do some sessions that have some intensity in them, but not as hard as the key sessions. Thanks again for all your great work with the show. I know they take a lot of preparation and work, but they're so useful. Okay, great question. Really great question. And uh, first of all, that guest, I think you're referring to my interview with Mike uh, Ricky. Uh, that was in episode 98 and it was called Quality over Quantity for Age Group Triathletes. And uh, yes, he gave that example week where most of uh, the sessions had intensity to them. Uh, definitely not an 80-20 or polarized training week. Uh, so uh, I think that's the one you're referring to. Uh, I, I should start by saying that these things, I think, are never completely black and white. Uh, so there is a lot of variance between individuals, what your goals are, what your ability level is, how many hours you train. You're right that you train about 15 hours per week. Uh, so of course, we know that. Uh, life circumstances, time to recover, etc. So so I would never recommend to strictly adhere to any given protocol or intensity distribution and follow it blindly. Uh, you first need to really dig deeper into things like your available hours to train and, and those things that I mentioned, ability to recover. And and then you can make an educated best guess for what might be a good starting point. But then really only your response to the training that you do will tell you if you're right or not. And you'll have to fine-tune the intensity distribution this way by, by seeing what works and if you are improving. So do regular testing or racing. And you should be improving in performance. And, uh, and if you're not, then you need to take a look at your training. Uh, with regards to your questions, I think you're on the right track with uh, having the running be always easy between your key sessions. That's what I recommend doing and see working in the vast majority of cases. Uh, That said, an easy run can still include some strides or some hill sprints at the end to get a bit of a neuromuscular stimulus, and it will still be an easy ride. But you'll get a a lot of extra value out of that, actually, both technique-wise and uh, neuromuscularly. On the bike, again, I do agree with you. I I don't necessarily, in my coaching or myself personally either, follow polarized training or 80 I definitely not personally follow polarized training, and uh, I don't follow an 80-20 approach either, and for my athletes that I coach, it's uh, the same thing really. Uh, So, But if we talk about what these theories prescribe in terms of what they want you to do for intensity, you should stay at or below your aerobic threshold or your first ventilatory threshold slash lactate turn point, depending on how you determine that, uh, that first threshold, if it's a a respiratory test, or if it's a lactase test, but uh, that can be tested in a lab. Of course, many athletes don't have access to labs, so then the correct estimate becomes uh, Zone 2. And on the bike, if you use a power meter and Coggins Power Zones, which I think most people use these days, days, and I use them, and I think they're good, I recommend them, this means Zone 2 means below 75% of FTP. And as you know, this is still quite a high intensity. Actually, for some less advanced athletes, this is uh, definitely half Ironman race pace. And uh, depending on the individual, even if uh, you are more advanced and you raise your half Ironman at 80 or more percent of your FTP, it may still be above your aerobic threshold. So, as a personal example, in my easy training, easy bike riding, I try to stay in, uh, or I do stay in low zone two. 55 to 65% FTP. And actually more often than not, I need to push myself to not be in zone one, like 45 to 55% FTP. Uh, And because to be honest, I'm so tired from the quality training that, uh, that I don't need to hold myself back by any means when I have easy training scheduled. But I do think that when you have longer easy rides, it is important to be in that zone two and be slightly closer to the aerobic threshold and not just go out and sit on the bike, because I don't think that's uh, that's going to give you a big return on investment. So that's why I mentioned that personally. I sometimes find I need to push my to two rides a bit. Uh, but one way to make sure without a lab test that you are at or below your Arabic threshold is to do the talk test. See if you can talk in uh, complete sentences, form complete sentences without huffing and puffing, and having to take breaks mid-sentence to, to complete what you're saying. Because if you do, then you are above that uh, aerobic threshold or the first ventilatory threshold. So that's a great way to, to assess where you are. That's what I recommend you do. Just elaborating a little bit more on how I personally think about eighty twenty and polarized training... And on the bike in particular here, uh, as that's what we talked about, I, I'm in agreement with you that on the run, in most cases, you should be doing those 80% as easy, stay below the aerobic threshold. On the bike, I am also in agreement that you can add some more intensity as you do. So, so it, it's not black and white, and uh, the lower the volume of the athlete, but still, if they have a fairly solid base fitness, the more room I think there is for doing things like The training week that Mike, uh, Ricky used as an example, which had a lot of intensity because this uh, athlete, uh, this example training week is made for an athlete. That's a, that's a fairly good athlete, but just doesn't have the time to do a super big amount of volume. Although it was, it varied a bit. Like we had a few different examples, I think. But the main point there was quality over quantity. And I think that's a perfectly fine way of doing things. And it works for people. Like Mike has coached so many athletes successfully on that method. I know from the talking with him and, and getting to know him. And, uh, and, and I see that working as well. So for example, my athletes that do two rides per week, uh, they might be athletes that train seven, seven hours per week, seven, eight hours per week. Those two, two rides are usually quality. They might be a threshold and a sweet spot workout. Uh, No easy ride. Uh, Often it's followed by a brick run, again, to maximize the time investment because you're already training, you're already changed. So yeah, that's something that we talked about at length with Mike in that episode. And I do use that myself as well. My athletes that do three rides per week, which is uh, quite common. It's a a very common, uh, common number of rides to do. Uh, they typically do two quality rides and uh, one easy ride. The easy ride usually will have some sort of uh, focus, for example, like cadence spin-ups. So a bit of a technical cadence focus as well. Or it might be very short neuromuscular sprints, like 10-second sprints or something like that. Uh, so, But that's it still counts as an easy ride. and uh, And the easy part of the easy ride is almost always prescribed in zone two not zone one as i talked about already so uh, just to make it as beneficial as possible not to go and just sit on your bike but actually staying at 55 to 75 percent and the athlete uses rpe then and to some extent heart rate to self-regulate within zone two to make sure that it feels easy enough which means that they often end up around that lower half of zone 2, which, which is 55-65% to 65% of their FTP. Only with athletes that do 4 or more rides per week do I tend to start introducing some recovery rides that are prescribed as zone 1 or maybe low zone 2. And these rides are typically an hour or less. Uh, because I really believe that there's not much point going out for 2-3 to three hours at below 55% of your FTP. There is one exception. If you do really long rides, like you just want to accumulate time in the saddle, four to six hour rides, then we loosen the criteria on zone two and it's fine to be in zone one for periods of that. Uh, the target is time in the saddle and uh, and that sort of thing, it's it's not necess- necessary to be very strict with staying in zone two. Uh, but that's uh, a bit beside the, the topic of this question, I guess. So coming back finally to one thing that I already mentioned in passing, The key thing is that you test regularly, whether it's by racing or a formal test like an FTP test. Verify that what you're doing is working and uh, what you do in easier workouts should uh, not prevent you from performing really well in those key workouts. So monitor your performance in your key workouts as well to make sure that you can can keep your target intensity and you can actually improve it once you've done those workouts a few times and uh, start progressing them. All right, I hope that answers your question, Ian. Next, we have a question from Jeroen van der Linde in the Netherlands. He writes, one question I have is, would you advise to do a lot of different interval workouts mixed in a two-month program or focus on getting better at one specific type of intervals? And if you differentiate between different intervals, is there a maximum, for instance, only change between three different interval workout types for a given period? So this is a quite a complex question with no clear-cut answer, in my opinion. It really depends a lot on a lot of factors, where you are in relation to your goal races, your individual strengths and weaknesses. It can also vary between the different disciplines, like you might do significantly more types of intervals in, for example, swimming or cycling compared to running. Usually that's the way it might go. Uh, and you might not do the same things even if you focus on one type of interval in any given discipline those might be the same or they might be different in in the different disciplines the more you train the bigger your training volume obviously the more room you have to also have intense workouts there while still having a good proportion of your training being easy enough Uh, and whether it's 80 20 or not we can (laughs) we don't need to keep arguing uh, back and forth about that but uh the point is whether it's whatever the proportion is. You need to do quite a lot of easy training. That's uh, that's a given. What whatever the percentage is. So if you are a high volume athlete, you have room to include more interval workouts in your overall program, which also obviously makes room for more different types of them. So, uh, for example, my advanced athletes that I coach might have a sweet spot and a VO2 max or a threshold workout in their bike training any given week, whereas a beginner might have just one of them usually. Generally speaking, whether we're talking VO2 max, threshold or sub-threshold intervals, eight weeks or two months as you talk about, that is a good amount of time to make significant improvements in one focus type of intervals. So so it is often quite a good idea to have one uh, one one primary focus, one or two, depending on how much you train. For example, to have sweet spot as the main focus. The time doesn't have to be that long, though. You can actually see quite great improvements in one type of intervals in just four weeks. This depends a bit on the type of intervals, like VO2 max intervals you can see improvements quite quickly in. And even harder intervals, anaerobic intervals, sprint intervals, uh, typically very quickly. Although those aren't as common And necessarily as useful for triathletes. But going back to that question about the duration of your focus period. If you have more times types of interval in your given period. Then it makes sense to make it longer. To make sure that you get the benefits. Getting enough workouts of any given type. If you focus on for example. Let's say sweet spot for argument's sake. And you do two or even three sweet spot workouts per week. Then you can definitely keep that period uh, quite a bit shorter compared to to the other to the former option because you will get in the same amount of workouts and it will all be focused on that intensity so then you might achieve your sweet spot targets in a much shorter time frame and then you can move on to something else and maybe sprinkle in sweet spot workouts every now and then just to keep up that stimulus as well but again i want to make this very clear there aren't really hard and fast rules here you need to basically you need to train and review your training how things are going your response to training how you progress and then take decisions from there and uh, and then use your own experience or your coach's experience if you are a coached athlete to decide what is right for you here the second part of your question is if there is a maximum amount and uh, Again, I don't think there are any hard and fast rules here. So I don't want to say that there's a maximum. I do think that in most cases, it makes sense to not do too many different types of intervals. Like in a single discipline, if you do two types of intervals per week, that's, that's already plenty. But that said, I have seen and I have made uh, programs for athletes that train a lot and uh, they have a lot of volume. They can and that means that they can fit in a lot of quality and maybe we have a block of bike focused training we can fit in three types of inter bike intervals in that training block and it works brilliantly so so i wouldn't say that there's a rule that you can't do any more than x number of types of intervals per period generally though for most athletes i do think that it's better to keep it to one or two types of intervals per discipline but there are exceptions to that rule of course and uh, yeah it all comes back to monitoring how you progress how you respond to training and taking it from there the set period that you mentioned or the given period uh, i i think i would say four weeks is a common uh, mesocycle length so that's what i would tend to uh, tend to look at things in terms of what perspective to view how many types of intervals to fit in fit in that block if you do a two-month block that's that's a very long block already so in that block i would definitely say that there's room to have more than two types of of intervals in a given in any given discipline even for athletes age group athletes that train a more uh, standard amount of volume per week another piece of advice in uh, relation to this question is that if you are coached, then uh, I think that you should def- definitely uh, trust your coach's opinion on this and, uh, and his experience or her experience. So but if you are self-coached and uh, uh, aren't really that used to planning training, I think that uh, having too many types of intervals in a given period, that is uh, sort of it can be an indication that you don't really know what you're trying to work on, what your limiters are in relation to your goals and your goal races, what your strengths and weaknesses are and and what you're really trying to achieve with your training. So it makes sense to sit down and do that analysis. What are your strengths and weaknesses? What are your limiters? And specifically, what are your limiters in relation to your goal race and your goals that you have for that race or any other goals, goals that you have, performance goals, whatever they may be. And, and if you do that, if you have a clear view of what your strengths and weaknesses are and your limiters, then it will be easy to plan a mesocycle where you focus on, on one or two types of intervals and you will be focused on your on your limiters and your weaknesses. Also, maybe building your strengths. I mean, you should do that too, of course. That It's not to say that you should always work on your limiters. Uh, on the contrary, in some cases, but... Uh, just to say that if you are self-coached, then having too many types of intervals, it can sometimes be a warning signal for yourself that do I actually have a plan with what with what I'm doing here? Or am I just uh, putting random interval workouts in my training plan? You need to answer the question, of course, why do I put this workout here? What is the purpose of it? And more types of intervals, it can be that warning signal that you actually don't really know why. And that can help you, get you to take a step back and do that analysis and then replan, refocus and get something that is very purposeful uh, for your training progression so just to finish up with with an example of this last point is that for Ironman and Ironman 70.3 racing uh, a couple of key limiters that uh, that come up time and time again that are the most common limiters are muscular endurance and, uh, and nutrition and hydration, really. So some, in terms of training, in terms of intervals, muscular endurance is often what we want to address. So, so in the build for an Ironman or an Ironman 7.3, I tend to focus a lot on that muscular endurance, which may be sweet spot training, race intensity training, and including low cadence work on the bike, hills on the run, that sort of thing. For, for example, for an advanced athlete, focusing on the sprint distance, VO2 max on the run can be a massive limiter for uh, that's a completely different example from the different end of, from the other end of the spectrum so in that case if you're that athlete then that may be your focus type of intervals going into your key sprint race so I'm not sure if I've given you a satisfactory answer here because again I want to reiterate that there are no hard and fast rules here but I hope that this discussion helps you uh, learn a little bit more about how to think about these things and I do think that if you if you err on the side of less is more, it's uh, much harder to go wrong than trying to fit in too many different types. I will say that, although I'm not saying that there is a maximum or that it's bad to have many different types of interval workouts. Definitely not. But I think it's easier for most self-coached athletes to work with a more limited number of types. And a program doesn't have to look fancy, have a lot of details to it. It can be very simple with simple progressions and when you're starting out with uh, coaching yourself then it can be that much easier if you'd follow the same pattern week after week after week and just progress your intervals a little bit your workout durations whatever it is and uh, yeah i think this this discussion helps perhaps uh, put some light on on that all right, so that's it for this q and I hope you found this useful. Some related episodes or one related episode which came up in the first question is episode 98, quality over quantity for age group triathletes with Mike Ricky. And I'll link to that in the show notes. Big thanks to our sponsors, Stack, that you can find on stackzero.com. That's linked to you in the episode description. And it's s-t-a-c-z-e-r-o.com. They provide the world's quietest indoor trainers with no wear and tear on the bike because they use magnets to provide the resistance for the wheel. No contact between the wheel slash tire and the flywheel on the trainer because there is no flywheel, there are magnets. And you can get any of their models including the Eurobike 2018 award-winning Stack Zero Halcyon for 20% off with the promo code TTS20 when you go to stackzero.com and make your order. And big thank you to Precision Hydration that you can find on precisionhydration.com go and take their free online sweat test like I mentioned I did when I was planning for my recent race and that will give you your personalized hydration strategy for racing and training and recovery. There's a lot of really good information in that hydration plan. So check it out. I'll link to it in the episode description so you can just click through. And if you want to get your first box of precision hydration electrolytes for free, use the promo code THATTRIATHLONSHOW all one word, all caps.